You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to episode one of Mr. Lou's Film and Music Reviews. Howdy, welcome to episode one of Mr. Lou's Movie and Music Reviews. My name is Mr. Lou. I will be your host. You may have heard me on the soccer podcast, Fever on the Pitch, soccer podcast, along with my brother, Esqueleto. Along with Esqueleto, every Friday night, we go to the uh, um, Squatter Studios and with Mad Dog J record our show, The Rambling Alcoholics, which is unleashed every weekend onto the world at large. Um, this particular show um, that I'm trying out is based on a Facebook page on which I review films. Uh, today's first episode, a, I wanted to kind of make it a thematic kind of thing, especially right now that everybody is uh, probably at home with the coronavirus uh, thing going on. Um, no way for us to go to see movies at the movie theater or the drive-ins if they still exist in some places. Um, but if you're at home, you're probably watching a hell of a lot more TV than you probably would be watching at any other time. Uh, today I chose one particular actor. I'm going to be reviewing his five best films and or recommending his five best films and uh, someone recommending and maybe asking you to maybe, I don't know, amuse yourself with five of his worst. I'm talking about one of the greatest actors that has ever stepped on the planet. Yes! Tits! That is, of course, the great Al Pacino. Al Pacino um, is, of course, considered one of the maverick actors of the 1970s, one of the guys that um, I guess you could say was a Marlon Brando disciple. And, you know, you kind of got to see with guys like him, De Niro, and, um, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson pretty much run wild in the 70s, um, pretty much doing what I guess Brando was doing in the 50s. Alfredo James Pacino was born April 25th, 1940 in the Bronx, New York. He is one of the few actors who has won just about every acting award there is. Emmys, Tony Awards, of course, for uh, the the sound spite that you just heard. He won that for playing Colonel Frank Slade in the 1992 film uh, Scent of a Woman. He won his Academy Award. He is, um, at the moment, 79 years old and... Going back to that 1992 film, Set of a Woman, for which he won the Academy Award for. And the Oscar, the Oscar goes to Al Pacino in Set of a Woman. Yes, Al Pacino did win that Oscar in 1992 for Set of a Woman. But it's another, it's one of those other films for which he was nominated for that same year 
that I kind of want to start off with. At number five for me, one of his great film performances is based on a David Mamet play, which he uh, adapted to the screen. And when he wrote the role of Ricky Roma, I don't think he could have had anybody else play it the way this man did. And I'm talking to you, shithead. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, asshole? You fucking shit. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt, you idiot? Whoever told you that you could work with men? Could I? I'm gonna have your job, shithead. I'm going downtown. I'm gonna talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose dick you're sucking on, you're going out. I swear to you, you're going. Let's get this done. Anyone in this office lives on his wits. I'm gonna be with you in a second. What you're hired for? is to help us. Does that seem clear to you? To help us, not to fuck us up. To help men who are going out there to try to earn a living, you fairy. You company man. I'll tell you something else. I hope you rip the joint off. I can tell our friend here a little something might help him to catch you. You want to learn the first rule you'd know if you ever spent a day in your life you never open your mouth till you know what the shot is you fucking child nominated along with jay davison in the crying game he'd eventually lose that oscar to one gene hagman for the unforgiven however pacino's performance is in among a great cast that included jack lemon uh, alec baldwin ed harris Academy Award winner Alan Alkin, Arkin, I'm sorry, and two-time Academy Award winner and uh, one, you know, accused of stuff that, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been doing, Kevin Spacey. Jonathan Price was also in there, who this year was also nominated for The Two Popes. It is a movie about sleazy land salesmen and Al Pacino in one of those rare performances where he's not chewing up scenery like a goat on the side of a mountain, actually puts on one hell of an impressive performance among this splendid, splendid cast. He and Jack Nicholson bounce off each other like they have been working together for ages. Some great performances in this. The dialogue is crisp. The dialogue um, can be a bit offensive. However, um, every single party involved, especially the role that was written specifically for Alec Baldwin to come in and berate the... Um, the salespeople it was cinema gold if if anything but al pacino even among the great performances uh by jack lemon and alan arkin and kevin spacey stands out because he plays a character that you know is a sleazeball however there's sides of him that are soft sympathetic empathetic toward the plight of his fellow employees or fellow uh co-workers but in the end he's still that sleazy some bitch who you know is going to probably you know, cut your throat in order for him to close out the deal. As you heard in that expert excerpt there, he's pissed because he just lost $6,000 bonus and a Cadillac and he's going to tear 
uh, Kevin Spacey, a new one. 1992 film. If you want to watch it, you can find it on HBO Go. And um, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this particular film. My first film that I'm picking with Al Pacino where he is just... I don't know if it's just him. It's just that the movie is really bad. I didn't want to pay the $2.99 to rent the movie. It's that bad because I've seen it before. It has a pretty interesting cast. Uh, Donald Sutherland, Natasha Kinski. Al Pacino plays a revolutionary in this movie back in the days of the old Revolutionary War. Now, his performance per se isn't, you know, god-awful. Um, the movie itself, however, is just drab. One of the worst battle scenes ever. I think a little kid with a, with a, a Lego collection can probably formulate a better battle scene than this. But in this movie, there's just a lot of bad things that, that or bad choices that Al Pacino makes. For example, in the Revolutionary War, it's hard to buy you know an Italian in the middle of a bunch of English people trying to you know. You know subdue the colonists and the colonists trying to fight for freedom number one number two um it was an era where i believe most people um spoke kind of with an english accent if not with a full-blown one and al pacino coming in talking like you know like he's just out of the fucking bronx you know it just kind of doesn't fit in with the time period of 1780 something or other um the love story between natasha kinski and al pacino in this film is just bad um, so uninspired, you almost thought that maybe, you know, in their scenes where they're, um, <laughs> where they're, I guess, you know, trying to show affection to each other more, the moment the director yelled cut, they were both running back to their, uh, to their particular trailers, washing off whatever it was this person inflicted upon him during those scenes. Um, it's, uh, it was the film that actually put Al Pacino in retirement for a bit because, um, he had had a string of great hits and then he just kind of like most actors like most artist people hit a wall and um this was his wall and and he had just had enough going into the uh going into the uh 80s and so well this is an 1985 movie but just it just kind of basically made him disappear for a couple of years this movie is so bad that i couldn't even find a, a proper soundbite for it um i found the trailer you know, and 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 it's just it's just you know Al Pacino and a bunch of dudes trying to make sure that Al Pacino doesn't really talk. All these men here, we all fought for something. You take it from us, and we're gonna fight again. He was a common man, forced into war, fighting to protect his son. Sons go to war because fathers don't. Thank God you're alive. She was a woman of wealth and privilege with everything to live for. Okay, that, that has to be enough. Uh, when, when you kind of look at it, if you were to compare this movie to any movie in modern day, you would probably have to say it's a really bad version of, you know, or, or a precursor to Titanic. You know, you put somebody in some sort of historical event, add a love story and maybe a little bit of tragedy, and then you got yourself a film, except that at least with Titanic, who I wasn't a big fan of, um... The performances are inspired. You have a very young and, and uh, very hungry Kate Winslet. Here you have a very tired Al Pacino and a, um incredibly over-the-top uh, well, Donald Sutherland, who's usually very reliable. And in, he, in this movie, he's just, well, over-the-top. Revolution. 
It is on demand, $2.99 if you guys want to rent it and amuse yourself for a couple of hours. I chose not to. Now, for my next choice uh, at number four for his best films is one of his underrated films and one of his almost forgotten films. As a matter of fact, it's so underappreciated that it's really worth a second look to see what a great, great film this really was. Al Pacino plays Lowell Bergman, the TV news producer for CBS in 1999's The Insider. It is directed by the great Michael Mann, who would go on to direct him in uh, Heat. But um, this movie is very, very... um, well, I wouldn't say special, but it's very. It stands out to me because it was the first time I saw a particular guy by the name of Russell Crowe, who was nominated for this movie for an excellent, excellent performance. Al Pacino should have been nominated for this because his performance was just as good, if not one of the best of his career. Um, again, a movie that for its time was pretty much a big box office hit. However, over the years, has kind of flown under the radar. Give it a look, um, Al Pacino. In again, one of his better performances playing Jack Lowell. I'm not touching that. I'm afraid you are. No, I'm not. We're doing this with or without you, Lowell. If you like, I can assign another producer to edit your show. Since when has the uh, paragon of investigative journalism allowed lawyers to determine the news content on 60 Minutes? It's an alternate version. So what if we have an alternate version? And I don't think her being cautious is so damned unreasonable. So now, if you will excuse me, gentlemen, Mr. Rather's been complaining about his chair again. Before you go, I discovered this. SEC filing for the sale of CBS Corporation to Westinghouse Corporation. What? I heard rumors. Not a rumor, it's a sale. If Tish can unload CBS for $81 a share to Westinghouse and then is suddenly threatened with a multi-billion dollar lawsuit from Brown and Williamson, that could screw up the sale. And what are you implying? I'm not implying. I'm quoting. Uh, more vested interest. Persons who will profit from this merger. Ms. Hel- Anyways, you uh, get the, the idea. The movie is based on an actual event in which the character played by um, Russell Crowe becomes a whistleblower against the tobacco industry. One of the first times that anybody had ever dared to go against this kind of conglomerate business in the United States. Uh, The story broke on CBS. Al Pacino plays the producer who put it on there. They were trying to take it away from his hands, and he wouldn't have any of it. Give this movie a look. It is an actually very, it's actually a very, very good film with a lot of great performances. Russell Crowe again. Uh, Christopher Plummer is in this. So is... um, Again, Al Pacino in one of his better, if not most underrated performances that people just kind of forget about. This film is on on demand, um, three ninety nine. I think it's pretty damn worth it for you to go for you to invest that money on this movie. Again, a great performance by this wonderful, wonderful cast. Um, and again, let me know what you guys think of this particular choice. Now, I'm gonna probably get some flack for this next choice, which is number four on my list of crap movies that Al Pacino has made over the years. It's one that you can rent for two ninety nine, and actually, for that price, it's kind of amu- It's kind of worth it because you see probably one of the most uh, 
I don't know, most emotionless and stoic actors of his time. Uh, Al Pacino doing what he does worst, which is usually <laughs> eating, like I said, like a goat eating grass on the side of a, uh, of a mountain, chewing up the scenery, just totally encompassing um, every bit of screen time that he can by, you know, evoking that famous Al Pacino high screaming dialogue rant that he got, likes to go on in films. Now, this movie is directed by Taylor Hackford, who has directed some really good movies in the past. Um, Charlize Theron is in this, and of course the actor that I'm talking about is Keanu Reeves, who um, in the recent John Wick movies has actually kind of impressed me, but before this, I've always said he's one of those actors that I don't understand the appeal. In this movie, this is, this is incredibly... Um, more in center stage since he's the guy that's actually leading the charge lines like what's wrong marianne doesn't really watch especially that awful god awful southern accent that he that he adapts for this film however even when al pacino is chewing scenery like there's no tomorrow um he can be amusing and in this movie his final dialogue when he's sitting there confronting um keanu reeves for lack of a better term is entertaining the movie is shit but this scene is entertaining who are you carrying all those bricks for anyway god is that it god well i tell you let me give you a little inside information about god god likes to watch he's a prankster think about it he gives man instincts he gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear, for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel, he sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> And while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. And again, amusing. <laughs> um, Al Pacino at his goat chewing best, uh, chewing up scenery after scenery. Again, the the idea of the devil's advocate is that. Um, Keanu Reeves is a hotshot lawyer who joins a law firm and then discovers that all these people that are um, in this law firm, led by none other than Satan himself, played by Al Pacino, um, they're all, well, I guess Satanist? Anyways, this movie is $2.99 on demand. Um, I, I guess it's worth a look. I mean, it's again, it's amusing. It's not great. Um, if you want to see Al Pacino going haywire and over the top... This is probably the movie you should rent. Devil's Advocate. And again, $2.99. Why not? Now, while I always will admit that Al Pacino is one of my favorite actors of, of all time, especially when he's well-directed and when he, is, um, when he isn't, again, going on some sort of, you know, shouting exercise, he can actually be so, so encompassing and so and grab you from beginning to end in what he's doing another one of those actors that is like that was the great and now late robin williams and in 
Um, in 2002, they both starred in a remake of a movie um, that I believe was done in Japan first, but um, they remade it here. Excellent film in which Robin Williams, of all things, plays a serial killer and Al Pacino plays the detective that is going after him. The movie is called Insomnia. No, no, probably January. Why didn't you come forward with this information when she died? She swore me to secrecy. She didn't want anybody to know about that. Even when she was dead, she didn't want anyone to know. Beaten to death. I was honoring her wishes. A body dumped on a pile of garbage. I was her friend. You were her friend. All right, acquaintance, all right? We were close, and were I close. was just... Mm-hmm. She was uh, attractive. Jeff sex She was 17. 17? She was attractive. I suppose. Suppose. She was. Right. Huh? So did you have sex with her? No, I was her mentor. You bought her things? Yeah. Gifts? Yes. What kind of gifts? Books, mostly. That's what she loved. Books? Mm. What about this? You give her this? Yes. Why? Why? You want to see how she looked with it on? No. No? Why would you give her jewelry? It's just a present. Present? Yeah. You bought a lot of presents? You bought her dresses? Yes. What's wrong with that? Yeah, what is wrong with that, sicko? Anyway, Robin Williams plays a hell of a serial killer in this movie. In this scene, he's getting confronted, interrogated by Al Pacino. And as you can tell, and I think that a lot of the times that when Al Pacino actually puts on a good performance, it has to do a lot with the director that he has. So, for all you kiddies out there who don't know that uh, Christopher Nolan has actually directed movies other than Batman, Insomnia is a movie that he directed, directed the great Al Pacino, directed the great... Robin Williams, directed two-time Academy Award winner Hilary Swank in this film as well. In a movie that's tense, it's very um, suspenseful. Uh, All the pieces fall together like you would expect a Christopher Nolan film to be. The one thing that that stands out uh, in this film as far as his other films that he has done is that it's very low on special effects, very good on, on story. And it's well-paced. It's not moving fast like like you would expect, like some of the Batman films. It's well-paced. It's well-acted. It's worth the two ninety nine that they're charging on, on on demand to watch this film. And um, again, Al Pacino, Robin Williams, two great actors, two great performances. Next up as one of the crap films in Al Pacino's career is one that I think I'm actually going to get a lot of crap for and it's because it is a popular movie it's uh it's a movie that i believe was a box office box office hit it just wasn't a very good movie on this team we fight for that itch on this team we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch we claw with our fingernails for that itch Yes, that's Oliver Stone's, uh, I don't know, movie called um, Any Given Sunday. Al Pacino plays a coach in this movie, a retiring coach who's being pushed out by none other than that bandit known as uh, Cameron Diaz because, you know, she's mean. But in in this particular film, goodness, the, the football scenes are... This movie is, you can't believe, in my view, you can't really believe that this movie was actually um, 
directed by a two-time Academy Award-winning director, guy that that won for Platoon and directed um, Natural Born Killers and and did Wall Street. I mean, this is Oliver Stone. However, by this time, he's basically doing an MTB film, and and, um, and and everything's kind of over the top. It's a lot of fast edits, and and I know that's probably cool for some people, but. Um, as far as filmmaking goes, this is really just a big MTV, MTV video um, type editing, type shooting. Al Pacino is grandiously over the top in this film. Um, other guys are grandiously um, just there to be cool, like uh, Jamie Foxx, who would eventually go on to win an Academy Award. LL Cool J, Jim Brown's in this because, you know, he's Jim Brown. But the film is about as you know again it's an extended football mtv type directed video i don't really recommend this film unless of course you just have absolutely nothing else to watch on television i feel bad because this movie is so bad that i don't understand why they're charging you three dollars and 99 cents to rent it i wouldn't pay it um you know, if it's free on, on one of your local channels and you can put up with the commercials, terrific, because it breaks the monotony of how bad this movie really is. Um, Oliver Stone, Al Pacino, two of the greats, really bad film. If you want to spend $3.99 on a movie that's actually worth your time, look at the polar opposite of what Al Pacino was doing in Any Given Sunday. In 1975, when he was on a roll, having been in a couple of successful movies, he hooked up for the first time with a fellow by the name of Sidney LeMay. Sidney LeMay had been one of the best directors of his era, uh, directing Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Henry Fonda in the original version of 12 Angry Men. He also went on to do movies like Network in the 1970s. Um, but it was the special movie with, with Al Pacino, John Cazale, who in the Godfather films played Fredo, in which Al Pacino actually let loose. And uh, I've spoken to several people about films and and the the year that and this year 1975 Jack Nicholson one for one flew over the cuckoo's nest for best actor I think a lot of us had disagreed with this and and um they thought to ourselves Al Pacino deserves it for his great and amazing tour de force performance in Dog Day Afternoon yeah, well, yeah. he wants to kill me so bad he can taste it okay, I was gonna kill That's uh, probably one of the most famous scenes in movie history. Al Pacino outside the bank there in Brooklyn, New York, uh, on a fine sunny afternoon, robbing a bank and um, being ambushed by the police because, you know, his his character of Sonny wasn't the smartest guy around, and neither was his partner, played by again John, the great John Cazale, who um, would be dead in about five years after, or even less than that after this film. Um, Dog Day Afternoon, 
story of a guy, two guys going to rob a bank, fumbling it badly. We later find out in one of the most groundbreaking moments in, in movies that Al Pacino is actually a homosexual who is trying to rob the bank for uh, to gain money so that he can uh, <laughs> pay for his lover's sex scene. Now, he, or sex scene, I'm sorry, sex change. Al Pacino's character is also married, has children. For its time, incredibly groundbreaking, based on a true story, um, but the great thing about this movie is that although Al Pacino would kind of be known for going over the top and chewing scenery like there's no tomorrow in other films, in this particular film, this works. It is a tension-filled um, dramedy. There's such many light moments as, as well as very intense moments. And Al Pacino just makes the right decisions from beginning to end. I think that um, having work or working here with a director as great as Sidney LeMay was, um, letting him pretty much improvise and, and dictating how the pace of the movie was going to go was a wise idea on LeMay's part. But I also feel that LeMay's um, camera work, his, his directing, his pacing of, of everything that's going on around Pacino was also genius, and Pacino was just basically in his element in this movie. If you're going to pay three ninety nine while at home, you know, snoozing away and eating another bag of Doritos, this is a movie to watch. I guarantee that you guys will enjoy this film. So, a little story on the next film, which is number two, is one of his worst performances ever. Um, so, I'm at the Costco, right? And, you know, Costco has all these uh, movies that go on sale. And so, you can buy, you know, great films for like $5, $10 or whatever. So, I came upon the, um, I think it was the 10th or 15th anniversary of um, Brian De Palma's Scarface. And I bought it. And so, I went over to Gary Merchant's home and I said, hey, listen, let's have, you know, let's get some food. I brought this movie, and Gary Merchant looked at me, and he was like, You sure you want to watch that? And I was like, yeah, well, what's wrong with it? I had only seen this movie once before. I saw it at a ditching party when I was in, like, the eighth grade. And so it was, um, while everybody else had found a girl to make out with, I did not. And so I was um, looking around for something to do, and I saw that the owner of the house had this movie on video cassette. So I watched it. And at the time, um, 1980, this movie came out in 83, I watched it like in 85, 86 or so. I'm sitting there in this house by myself watching this movie while everybody else is, you know, having a good time. Um, in my mind, it was a good movie, but um, I remember Gary Merchant told me, he goes, if you watch this movie as a drama, you're going to be highly disappointed. I think it's incredibly ridiculous. If you watch it as a comedy, it works. And I didn't know what he meant until after I saw the film. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that love this film. A lot of people from, you know, you know the, the, I guess, quote-unquote, hood persuasion that love this film because reasons. Um, I found this movie to be amazingly stupid and, and almost laughable. There's, there's I, I, for, First things first, why are a bunch of Cubans in this movie, with the exception of Stephen Bauer, who actually was Cuban, played by a bunch of Italians speaking English with a bad Spanish accent. You would think that perhaps that they would speak to each other in Spanish at some point or another. Uh, Al Pacino's only words in Spanish that I can remember in this movie are coño and um, think coño. And that's about it. But um, 
I mean, it's it's beautifully shot. The one thing Brian De Palma has always had is that he can shoot a film very well, even when it's bloody as, as can be, like this movie certainly was. It was just such an over-the-top, badly accent. I, I, again, he goes to, there's a scene where, where um, Al Pacino's Tony Montana goes somewhere in South America to talk to the local drug, and they're talking to each other in bad English. You know Spanish, you're Cuban. Why not speak to each other in Spanish? Yeah, you know, in in an era where we're sitting here, you know, giving white people crap for for putting on blackface on on themselves, and you know, why wasn't anybody upset that this guy was sitting there speaking bad Spanish with a bunch of stereotypes as far as Hispanic people go? It's amazing to me that this film is as popular as it is. Um, I I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a ridiculous performance. I think Gary Merchant was right. If you watch this as a comedy. You're going to laugh your ass off. You're going to have a great time. If you watch this as a serious, dramatic picture, you're going to be wondering to yourself, what the hell am I watching? Um, This film is free if you have stars. If you want to get a seven-day trial, you can watch it on there for free. Otherwise, I... um, I think maybe if you get somebody to do an impersonation of Say Hello to My Little Friend, you'd probably have a more entertaining time. So, that's my view on Scarface. Now, polar opposite. Playing a gangster, playing in a movie that is amazingly more uh, um, suited to what the era was, the culture was, the um, families involved. Um, it's no secret that The Godfather is my favorite film of all time, but one of the reasons that the, this film works is not only because of the genius of Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, but the cast. And in both films, you have probably one of the greatest cast ever assembled. I mean, in the first one, you have Marlon Brando, you have uh, Al Pacino, you have uh, James Caan, you have John Cazale, and, and this, uh, t- um, Robert Duvall. In the second film, you have again Duvall, you have Pacino, you have Robert De Niro, and um, I think the, the the greatness of the Michael Corleone character. If you've ever read the book, um, it's really always been a movie about the transition of power and the bastardization of innocence and the American dream. If you if you look at it that way, Al Pacino in playing Michael Corleone starts off as this moral guy who has no wanting to be in the family business, but after an attempt on his father's life, he devotes himself to him, learns the family business. His father loves it because out of the four brothers, or the three brothers and the one sister, he seems to be the one that has all the cunning, what it takes to be the Don. And he doesn't prove it in any other scene other than this one. More than any other scene than in this one, excuse me. You think I'm skimming off the top, Mike? You're unlucky. Goddamn guineas really make me laugh. I do you a favor and take Freddie in when you're having a bad time, and then you try to push me out. Wait a minute. You took Freddie in because the Corleone family bankrolled your casino because the Molinari family on the coast guaranteed his safety. Now, we're talking business. Let's talk business. Yeah, let's talk business, mate. First of all, you're all done. The Corleone family don't even have that kind of muscle anymore. 
The Godfather's sick, right? You're getting chased out of New York by Bazzini and the other families. What do you think is going on here? You think you can come to my hotel and take over? I talked to Bazzini. I can make a deal with him and still keep my hotel. Is that why you slapped my brother around in public? Oh, no, that, that, that was nothing, Mike. Now, now, uh, uh, Mo didn't mean nothing by that. Sure, he flies off the handle once in a while, but, but Mo and me were good friends, right, Mo, huh? I got a business to run. I got to kick asses sometimes to make it run right. We had a little argument, Freddie and I, so I had to straighten him out. You straightened my brother out? He was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. Players couldn't get a drink at the table. What's wrong with you? I leave for New York tomorrow. Think about a price. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Wait a minute, Mo. Oh, I got an idea. Tom? Tom, you're the conciliary. Now, you can talk to the Don. You can explain. Just a minute now. Don is semi-retired, and Mike is in charge of the family business now. Have anything to say? Say it to Mike. and talk to a man like Mo Green like that! Fredo. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. Now, there's an incredible foreshadowing in this scene that, of course, culminates with the final scene of The Godfather Part Two. In both films, Al Pacino is... If rarely over the top at all, he is menacing, he is calculating, he is meticulous in how he not only makes the choices to perform the character of Marco Corleone, but he makes him one of the most menacing and one of the most intriguing villains in the history of film. What? Why couldn't he remember this when he did Tony Montana is beyond me. But again, I go with uh, the fact that Francis Ford Coppola having the huge task of directing two of the greatest actors ever in one film and then trying to continue the arc of this movie with one of the greatest characters ever ever produced um, is a feat unto itself Uh, Godfather if you can't find the Godfather anywhere there's something amazingly wrong with with the um, with I don't want to say with you personally but just saying that it's available in just about every single format you can find it is I believe for rent on some of the um some of the uh, cables or so if you have fire stick if you have uh, apple but i believe it's also available on the amc app if you have that um if you haven't seen the godfather please stop uh please do stop for a second and watch it if you're a film student if you're a person that likes um you know great films this is the one to see al pacino's performance best of his career his own only his third movie role in his in a in his career at this point and and he just knocked it out of the ballpark now you would think a film in the 1970s directed by none other than William Friedkin who directed of course the um, Exorcist and was a well respected guy would turn up a pretty good film if he had guys like Paul Sorvino, Al Pacino in a movie unfortunately this movie just went off the rails the moment that <laughs> that um, I remember Gary Merchant and I popped it into the VCR back then the VCR to watch it um, at the time when I was really into anything Al Pacino I would just rent just about anything cruising was one of those movies um, 
I I'm like at a loss for words at times trying to explain this film. The film is about Al Pacino, who plays a New York City cop who goes undercover in the gay culture to try to catch a man, a serial killer who's targeting gay uh, people, gay men. Um, in it, there are a lot of stereotype t- stuff, scenes that, that not only um, evokes every scene in the film, but Al Pacino as well. Um, it's such a badly insulting type of film that... that um, it's even I only bring it up because <laughs> it's really really bad and um, for some reason when I when I looked it up to see where it was available to inform you there's it, it has four out of five stars to me it's it's it has to be by a bunch of people that don't like the LGBTQ community who are liking this film it's it's a really uh, a downtrodden awful film and uh, Pacino's performance in this is probably one of the first times that I have ever seen him um, amazingly over the top if you go chronologically with his career in the 1970s um, again he plays a um, a cop a New York cop who's going undercover to um, to look for a, a man who's a serial killer who targets gay men by the end of the movie, you don't know whether I guess it's, I guess um, the director was trying to leave the, the the ending ambiguous because it leaves you wondering whether Pacino is is um, gay or not. But by the end of the film, it's so badly made that you don't really care <laughs> what happens to Al Pacino, and you know it it, it just is. It's one of uh, one of the first and and probably grandest disappointments. William Fredkin ever directed. Now what were you faggots doing up there? What is this shit, huh? You were gonna stick here, weren't you? What are you talking about? Who's wrong was it? Yes. Is that right? I, I told you what we're doing in there is none, none of your business, so you have no right to come in there. You didn't have a I wanna know what you were doing in there. Nothing! Yeah, again, bad dialogue, bad filmmaking, bad acting. Um, Al Pacino in this particular interrogation scene is just sitting there wondering, probably wondering to himself, when can I cash to this check? Because otherwise, there's nothing in this movie that really has any substance, anything to really like about it. Um, the movie, again, is Cruising. If you're interested, three ninety nine on on demand. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. I but anyways, but I brought it up because it is his worst performance. Anyways, we've come to the end of my first episode, uh, Mr. Lou's movie reviews and um, music uh, reviews as well. I didn't do a music review this week, but hopefully by the next episode I will be able to do so. Um, hopefully, like, subscribe, and uh, listen to us on the Rambling Alcoholics every weekend and to get your soccer fix listen to us also with fever on the pitch soccer podcast which at the moment unfortunately we're on hiatus because the rest of the soccer world and the rest of the world at this time is on hiatus as well but you can catch us again on the rambling alcoholics uh, my name is mr lou i am glad to have been your host and till next time
With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit. Four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.